He sends discarded medical supplies to needy hospitals in Africa. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Bruce D. Cherish, an associate professor of clinical medicine at New York University Medical School and the founder and chairman of the board of doc to doc based in Brooklyn, New York. Dr. Cherish, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you for having me. Describe the aha moment when you thought of the idea for Doc to Doc. Well, it actually happened at the Clinton Global Initiative, September 2005. Obviously, I was asked in advance, as everyone who came, and this is a nonpartisan gathering of people who share the common vision of helping the developing world and uh, fulfilling personal responsibility. And you know, many prominent Republicans and Democrats attended this again nonpartisan meeting, but. When I attended, I had to consider what my commitment would be, and I didn't even know what arena to do it in. Obviously, healthcare in the developing world was something that I thought I should be engaged in, but because I had this responsibility of coming up with a project, I was standing there the very first morning, and it was before the meetings began. I was having a cup of tea, in fact, and a woman came up to me and said that she was a reporter with some magazine and asked me what my commitment was going to be. And I probably was entertaining several different ideas. But at that point, I just said to her, my idea, and I said, I'm sending medical supplies to Africa. And quite frankly, that was one of my ideas, and it was probably the one that meant most to me. But then she said to me, what's the name of your program? And I said, name of my program. So I said, doc, and I was going to say doctor, to, I was going to say something about doctors to Africa. But as I said the word doc, I literally visualized a shipping doc. So I said, doc to doc, you know, doctors to the doc. And she wrote about it that night on an electronic article, and hence the program was created. Actually, the next day, heads of state in Africa were contacting me at this conference, asking me to send supplies to their country just because an online article the night before mentioned my idea, which I had just thought of. So sometimes, you know something significant is thrust upon you, as it was in this case. I really just spontaneously said an idea, and then with the attention it received among the community, and in a way it was sad to me to realize how much interest was being expressed to me by African leaders, and having done nothing as of that point, it made me feel that, you know, obviously they would reach out to anyone who might help, and there was obviously such a great need. So that was the moment. I mean, then I said, you know what, I have to do this now, and I've been doing it. And you're off and running. Yes. How many medical supplies go to waste every day? Well, 7,000 tons is the best estimate. I mean, no one knows the exact amount, but 7,000 tons a day. And these supplies, you know, again, including plastic, sterile supplies to metal, you know, reusable supplies like beds, they go to landfill or they're incinerated. The Environmental Protection Agency has estimated that uh, the burning of medical plastic is the third largest source of environmental dioxin release in the United States, obviously a major carcinogen. So even if you were to remove the humanitarian aspect of our program, the dumping of medical supplies is an environmental problem in this country, and we're actually now, instead of having environmental waste and carcinogens, we're letting these supplies go to use instead of being thrown out. How do you determine which African hospitals receive the supplies? Well, we have a several-staged vetting process. The first 
is a clearly the means test. They all have needs. All African countries have great needs. What we do is we have been building up diplomatic relationships with the governments via the United Nations missions as well as the embassies in Washington of different countries. We've been asking the different ambassadors with whom we meet, and we've picked about 25 sub-Saharan African countries and a few northern African countries to give us a needs assessment. We're looking for countries that have stable democracies or as stable as you can get in that region. We're looking for countries with a commitment towards developing infrastructure and without active conflict. It's our view that it's better to send supplies to a place that is with an infrastructure and stable just because we'll get more bang from the buck. And at the end of the day, we're not in a position to save everyone. And we want to help build up the institution of healthcare. So a place that's emerging is better. Once we get favorable responses from the countries and governments and based on our relationships with their ambassadors, we do side visits to the country. Because once we send a container, we're not just sending a container, we're sending a commitment for a pipeline of containers that would then have medical supplies siphoned off to go to the rural hospitals. And we're talking about funding collateral projects like um, sanitation or public health or healthcare safety worker, as well as exchanges from American physicians. So as a result, we're looking at an injection into the entire healthcare system with medical supplies being the epicenter. So we take it seriously. We vet it. We have an accountability process. We make sure the government knows the container is coming. We make sure that the local hospital knows how important the container is, that each container carries with it the potential for another container based on performance. We partner with other organizations. The Peace Corps has used many of their senior physician officers to help us do oversight in the countries. We are um, partnering with the United Nations itself, and the United Nations says that they and the World Health Organization will also oversee the supplies and make sure that they're delivered and distributed. So by using partnerships, by vetting out hospitals through other non-governmental organizations, by establishing diplomatic ties with the different countries, we begin to evolve a picture of a region, learning their needs, and then addressing them. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Bruce Cherish, discussing his company Doc to Doc, which sends discarded medical supplies to needy hospitals in Africa. Dr. Cherish, do you make the site visits? In the beginning, yes, virtually all site visits, but I'm now fortunate to have a growing staff and a staff that has enough experience under their belt that they're capable of doing the site visit. But I think that I would like to go to Africa at least once or twice a year to oversee the healthcare system and to have a better sense of the conditions on the ground. But we will need to have a greater presence there. We may even hire staff in Africa, depending on um, the direction of our program. But I will go as often as I can. But it's good to be able to develop a program, again, with independence from my own personal attention. Are site visits required before medical supplies will be shipped? Yes, we will do a site visit. It's not required. We'll just make sure we do one before we send supplies. I want to have ground contacts. I don't want us to send supplies to a country in a vacuum. Again, because the beginning of supplies is the beginning of a longer commitment. You know, if we send 100 containers a year, I would rather that be five containers a year to 20 countries to the same place building a healthcare system rather than 100 different countries. So each country that we begin, there'll be sustainability. So I think it's very important that we make contact on the ground and other conditions. Um, 
have an understanding before we send supplies. How large are the containers? They're 40-foot shipping containers. That can hold, you know, our last container to the nation, Benin, had 655 boxes of disposable surgical supplies and maybe 30 hospital beds, some anesthesia and machines and respirators. So, you know, depending on what sense, but a 40-foot shipping container is the most common container ship. You can send a 20-foot one. The difference in shipping cost makes it more worthwhile to send 40s, but you could send a 20. And how much does it cost to send a 40-foot container? Well, the shipping cost is probably in the range between five and $6,000. There's also your operational costs of the company to store these supplies, to sort them for databasing, salaries, you know, ground shipping. The actual cost per container is more like $15,000, which means that we can deliver from, you know, all of our hospitals from their door to a hospital door in Africa. So $15,000 will deliver a 40-foot shipping container, and the delivery value, again, is over a half million dollars of medical supplies. And how are you paying for this? We're paying for this by individual donors. We actually have had some people who are obviously fortunate and of means sponsor their own container. If somebody's willing to give us a gift of $15,000, and there are actually families and family foundations and individuals who can afford that, we will send a container with their name. You know, Pretty much it will be their container, and they could see tangibly what they're sending. We'll give them the manifest pictures of the arrival of the container. So, you know, but most of our operating budget doesn't come from individual large donors, but comes from, you know, reasonable average gifts from people carrying individuals of you know, every amount. You know, we have an internet fundraising campaign as well as a outreach campaign, and we're having a fundraiser in New York. And you know, through different events and through outreach and through hopefully word of mouth, we will continue to expand our operations. What types of stories have you heard from the African hospitals about the difference your company has made? One of them in particular... I was lucky enough to witness when I was in Benin, there was a young boy in their main teaching hospital in the capital city, and he had aggressive malaria. He was not responding to oral therapy, and they wanted to treat him with intravenous medical therapy. They had the medicine, but strangely enough, they didn't have the intravenous line. And I arrived in their hospital the day the container was actually being shipped to the hospital, And when the container arrived, because there was such a focus on this child, they went to the container, opened it up, and they found a box of intravenous lines. They put an intravenous line in his arm, which had come from a hospital on Long Island that was going to go to trash and landfill or incineration. They put the intravenous line in his arm and gave him intravenous therapy, and I was there for three days. So his fever come down, we rounded on him every day, and he was getting better. And I think the lesson for me was that an individual moment like that was more powerful than all of the general discussions I had had, to actually witness one child's life saved. And if it were not for the fact that this intravenous line was shipped and it was so easily discarded and so casually discarded because we're so lucky to be in a land of excess, it was just probably the most impactful way for me to realize the significance of what we're doing. How can a hospital start a program? By contacting us. It's easy to do, but a hospital can't start a program in a vacuum. If uh, anyone listening wants to get their hospital involved, it's better to contact us through our webpage, www.doc2doc.com. That's D-O-C. 
T-O-D-O-C-K.com. We have our email addresses there. We will either directly work with a hospital or, depending on their geography, relate them to a program near them because we have contacts with all of the national programs. And I think that one way or another we can make sure that if anyone really wants their hospital involved, we can do it. But, again, it's much easier we can send information to that person who wants to know um, and get the hospital involved. And like I said, we've been getting requests already, and we're more than glad to address every request individually and help establish programs. Dr. Cherish, thank you for joining us today to discuss Doc to Doc. Thank you very much for having me, Susan. It was really a pleasure for me. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.